Hide Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous Dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the challenge. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Adidas says it plans to release more Yeezys just under its own branding. Sweet. I can still wear my 1050s guilt-free. Hi, kids. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast, Does Recruitment Marketing. I'm your co-host, Joel, college dropout Cheeseman. This is Chad, afternoon delight, so wash. This is Julie rocking my new Chad and Cheese shirt, Kelly. Yeah. Yes. And on this episode... We put the ho-ho-ho in Home Depot, Man versus Machine in New York City, and LinkedIn's Got Trends. Let's do this. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. That's a sexy t-shirt right there. Let me tell you. Isn't she it great? She looks so comfy. She looks so comfy. I love it. It's like the Snuggie from back in the day. That's how she <laughs> like looks. Like she's she's rocking a Snuggie on the on the Lazy Boy. Very Ooh, nice. we could actually come out with those. That'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no! Chad don't do snuggies. it. No, oh, sir. For, for, no, for winter. <laughs> Negatory. It's a blanket with sleeves. Oh, man. <laughs> Remember the family ones where it had like multiple? Oh, God. That was pretty bad. That would be awesome, though. Talk about great marketing. I want, Speaking of marketing, I once met yeah. the owner, the founder of Jeggings. Do you remember jeggings? Oh, oh, they yeah. were like uh-huh. jeans but leggings. Yeah, yeah. And his his secret to success was late night TV advertising, which is super cheap. And yes. he knew that if he just did this and paid you know a little bit in, in marketing, that yeah. the media would pick it up, which they did. And he mm-hmm. said those late night two a.m. advertisements led to you know the Today Show and all this media. <laughs> so anyway, random, but uh, yeah, the founder of Jeggings I met once. Should we take that tip into recruitment marketing and start doing 2 a.m. cheap commercial advertising? <laughs> There's an HR tech vendor out there that's getting uh, some knowledge that, that uh, we'll be advertising late night during Maury Povich <laughs> reruns, I'm sure. Maury Povich. <laughs> Is Maury still on? Oh, God. I don't know. I, that's, uh, where, that's where I think DNA, like the DNA tests just yep. exploded. The, the, the daddy tests, yeah, they just exploded. Nobody knew they even existed until then. They, start, they thought they still had to kill rabbits. DNA exploding everywhere. 
exploding <laughs> everywhere. Who knew? That could be our new slogan. Speaking of podcast. speaking of exploding, should we get to some shout outs for <laughs> the show? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and speaking of exploding everywhere, my shout out goes to women. Yes. Ooh. Nobody nobody relates to women more than me, so giving them a shout out makes perfect sense. So uh-huh. we're all aware there's a serious shortage in truck drivers, right? Well, like most things, men fuck up. Women are here to fix all our shit. That's right. Mm. Women are helping to close the driver shortage here in America. The number of women employed in the trucking industry hit 1.6 million in October. That's a record since the BLS started tracking the numbers back in 1990. Women's wow. share of the trucking industry workforce is now at an all-time high of nearly 18% of trucking Ooh. jobs. Also, a shout-out to more women the women of Crocs, yes, Chad's huh? favorite footwear maker. He God, typically wears things. them with starched white socks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> has women to thank for its strengthening employment brand. This is from Forbes. Since implementing its come-as-you-are strategy five years ago, by the way, that's more than 15 years after Kurt Cobain sang come-as-you-are, women now make up 67% of its global workforce with half of their executive team identifying as women. Another side note about Crocs, 50% of U.S. employees identify as people of color with black and Hispanic workers representing 19 and 24% of its U.S. workforce. Put on those Crocs and wear them with pride. Shout out to women, trucking, and Crocs. Nothing turns me off more than a woman wearing Crocs. Crocs and mom jeans are the oh uh, absolute boner killer of all time. But what about driving a truck? <laughs> Oh, now we're talking. That's different. She's got her own place. A girl in a Jeep Wrangler is uh, super hot, by the way. Not just not just truck. They've got, you know, they've got the little sleeper in the back, too. (laughs) As long as there's a monkey in the passenger seat (laughs) named named BJ. That's BJ and the the bear. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right. Enough of this. My shout out is going to go to AI generated portraits. Okay, is this not the creepiest (laughs) shit that you've ever seen? Out of nowhere, it's like on all of my social feeds, all I see are these these AI, I guess AI generated portraits of of people pushing them out themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. Astronauts, rock stars. Does anybody yeah. know what this is about? How did this even start? Julie, this is a this is a marketing coup because they are everywhere, kind of like Chad and Cheese T-shirts. But how <laughs> how in the hell does this thing work? Which will never be AI generated, by the way. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, in a population of people who take selfies, they're looking for a way to lever up, level up all that content, and this is an uh. incredible creative way to see yourself done in different forms of art and different forms of expression. But I, I, there's been some backlash on this because when Ooh. you go into it, you identify male, female, or other. And if you identify Ah. as female, it sexualizes all the the images that it generates. How so? Does it put you like in boudoir photos? Yes. We could turn Chad into a woman. (laughs) So I I would employ those who have subscribed to this service to try doing another submission, but submit it as Mm. a different gender and see what it does to your photos. Wow. By the way, how long how long before uh, we start seeing companies about us web pages with uh, AI generated portraits of the CEO <laughs> and the CFO? You, you know it's everybody. coming. You everybody. know it's coming, everybody. Not in France though, because you don't have to have fun in France. Okay, let's just talk about that. <laughs> no fun for the French. France, the no fun country. Anyway, shout out Julie. Oh, I I want to give a, a shout out to 
uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Bless you. Um, he just was um, declared Times Person of the Year. Truthfully, I'm so glad for that because what a phenomenal leader he has been. Just a perfect example of how to lead people by being directly involved, by communicating constantly, by leading with purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. He's just been such an incredible demonstration of being a good leader. And I'm so glad to see him yeah. take Man of the Year. Not yeah. bad for a two-bit actor at one point. I don't know if you've seen some of his uh, Ukrainian television uh, footage, but it's quite entertaining. You wouldn't expect him to be Winston Churchill 2.0, that's for sure. I tell you, a crisis brings out character, my friends, and, and you don't really know a person until you put them under a little pressure. And I tell you what, this guy, he's turned into fucking Superman is what he's turned into. And, and I got to give it to his wife as well. I mean, they are getting out as much as possible. Um, obviously, he's staying you know, in Ukraine doing his thing, making sure that they all know that he's on the battlefield with them. And she is out from a diplomatic standpoint. She's all over the place. And I mean, it's, it's the smartest duo I think I've seen in a very long time. I don't need a ride. I need bullets. Topics! Mm-hmm. All right. We had a lot going on at recruitmentmarketing.com, Julie. Let's talk about Home Depot, shall we? So you penned Ooh. an article entitled, Home Depot Launches Virtual Career Marketplace for skilled tradespeople. Uh, Home Depot recently launched its Path to Pro Network, a job seeker forum that aims to connect skilled workers and employers. Through the platform, workers can post their credentials and examples of prior work to generate interest from potential customers and businesses. The program also offers a free training program for those interested in pursuing and growing a career in the skilled trades and prepares them for their first job. Chad and I touched on this story uh, on our weekly show, but uh, like most shows, we go about an inch deep. You went way deeper on this. The roots of this problem go way back. Tell us about the article. Oh, I I had to write a whole article on this because I am, first of all, this strategy is genius. And I absolutely wanted to recognize Home Depot for that. Yes. The other is that there. this is a significant example of there is a problem and there is an opportunity for brands to step in and be the solution. We are running short on tradespeople, skilled tradespeople, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but just like any homeowner knows in, 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 you know, in the world, you need someone to come fix something within your home. You're going to struggle to get good quality work done because we're short mm-hmm. on people to do that. The businesses that actually serve are struggling to get talent. Doing trade work is actually a skilled a skill. We run on those services, our heating, our air conditioning, the you know, all kinds of work that's done on our vehicles that transport everything that we have. Mm-hmm. We we absolutely depend on tradespeople to keep our lives functioning and we have a significant shortage of them. That's actually going to hurt Home Depot's bottom line. If they have less tradespeople, they're going to have less sales. Mm -hmm. So how do they fix that? They need to make sure there is the the gap in tradespeople is being filled. Now, that isn't just about, you know, let's connect people to jobs where they're really doing an outstanding job here is they're also connecting people to free training. You know, in a world where we have I'd say in the past, we've <laughs> we've told people, you won't be successful in life unless you go to college, 
right? Like I know that I grew up in yeah. a generation where I was told that repeatedly. The only way you're going to get a great job mm-hmm. is if you go to college. And that was, I believe, built on a foundation that the only way to get an education was to pay for it. But um, I was also of a generation where information became very accessible. <laughs> and the internet uh-huh. <laughs> meant that you could educate yourself simply by going out and seeking out the information that was out there. This is creating an opportunity for people to connect, to learn real skills where there's a real market need for that. And Home Depot has just put themselves right in the center of that entire ecospace for tradespeople. The training, the finding the job, mm. the finding um, a place you know to be an apprentice, to get that, that skill and that learning. And then, of course, they have all of the supplies needed to do the actual job. It's genius. Yeah, Joel and I were on the cusp of vocational schools in, in, in high schools. I know we had a vocational school in our high school that actually being flushed out uh, again because everybody was told at that point that you needed to go to college. And, and I mean, my cousins, I mean, pretty much my entire family were carpenters, electricians, plumbers, and that's just what we had in very blue collar Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, but then what happened? You started yanking that, that, that funding out of the actual schools. And then today we, it's harder than hell to find a plumber. Luckily I live next door to one. Uh, I can go over and knock on the door and, and, and hope he has some time for me. Yeah. But, uh, other than that, man, it's, it's not easy. Th- th- this from Home Depot standpoint is incredibly smart, as you'd said, because you've got construction clients that need talent because without talent, they can't accept jobs. If they can't accept jobs, they can't spend money on materials. They can't spend money on materials. Home Depot's not making Bingo. money. Yeah, that's where it comes down to, right? So it's incredibly smart for them. And then if they can just connect uh, more of these individuals with, with training, it just makes sense. You know, the, the training schools, not to mention unions. Uh, I mean, we need to have a more robust uh, training program that again is infused in our schools one of the things i found really interesting uh in the article julie was the uh the no child left behind legislation from 2002 and how that moved so much money into stem uh which is a good thing but it took away money from the programs that we're talking about and i think that you know chad and i've talked about my my local high school down in you know southern indiana it's sponsored by auto part store, right? Like it literally the store sign is on the school teaching people how to repair cars and, and things like that. So, so this marriage of, of, uh, of commercialization and education, I think has been necessary partly because of, of government, uh, decisions to take away money from these programs in, into, uh, into other things. The other thing that I found really interesting was the amount of boomers that I think we take for granted that have been doing a lot of these jobs, oh, yeah. um, in the past. They're retiring at a rate of 2.2 million in the U.S. every year. One question I did have for you guys is, you know, the amount of mentorship programs, whether it be, you know, VR headsets that can teach you how to, you know, change a, a, a rotator, or whatever, of a brake pad, or, uh, you know, are those going to re- be able to replace the education? Can we do it with technology? Can we do it with mentorship programs? Is there a place for those in this in this issue? Yeah, I, you know, on your can uh, those do it yourself videos like replace? Well, there's a foundational knowledge you need to do with anything, right? And you know, and then you apply your epoxy. Mm-hmm. 
right? But epoxy is actually a very dangerous thing to work with if you don't know how to use it. Um, so if you don't have the foundational knowledge of how to use it, and you simply want you to do it yeah. yourself, and oh, it just looks like this sticky little liquid, it's like glue. Yeah, that can also, you know, take the flesh off your, your hand if you're not careful. So there's there's a foundational knowledge that needs to happen in trades. But then yes, just like anything else, we build a foundational knowledge but then we can learn a lot uh, ourselves. We will have to constantly upskill and look for new knowledge no matter what trade you're in because everything in the world is evolving so quickly. And as the Internet of Things becomes involved with everything, there is a greater level mm-hmm. of knowledge that will need to be had to interact with things as well as information and skill that will have to be acquired to stay ahead of that. I think that's a great point because it's – this, the trades are one of those things where you can't just see a video or read some code and then sort of tinker around on your laptop to figure it out. Like you can't work with a toilet unless you actually touch a toilet and unscrew things and, and whatnot. So it's a unique problem with the trades where you actually have to have someone show you or have the actual physical thing there for you to learn it. So I think we can't just Coursera we can't just LinkedIn learning uh, our way to more tradespeople in this country. There has to be mentorship programs and apprenticeships. Yeah. And your your point on boomers, I mean, so many of them are retiring so quickly. That's mm-hmm. missed opportunity for all of the people who could be learning from them right now. Oh, because, yes. you know, there's an absolute truth in, you know, you pay someone $200 an hour to come in and, you know, do some work on your house and trades. A very experienced person's going to walk in point right at the problem and get it done within an hour. But someone who's not is going to turn into a six hour job as they're trying to figure it out and, you know, um, navigate through things because they just don't have the experience to act on it and, and solution it as quickly. Yeah, there, there's still a lot of Xers that that were in that trade, but those trades, although we don't have the population that the boomers do. So to be able to fill that gap, there's just no way in hell that's going to happen. Now, from a branding standpoint and a brand loyalty standpoint, think of how an individual actually you know, how loyal they are to a Home Depot if they actually go through a matching and or um, a training program. I'm not saying it's a training program by Home Depot, but... I mean, if you if you take a company like Home Depot and they know they need this segment to grow, they might actually uh, they might actually make a little bit more formalized actions in being able to drive some of these these training programs. I think this might be the first step of, you know, a few more steps. Yeah, I, I actually hope this catches on in other areas where we have significant talent gaps you know, and mm-hmm. just spending more money on advertising or building really cool TikTok videos is not going to solve the, the talent problem. No, there's no reason why a company can't do this just like Home Depot is. I mean, in, in again, you know, my daughter found a training program at the at the at the local uh, hospital and they trained her up and now she's, you know, a lab tech. She's a phlebotomist. So, I mean, those they're out there. The problem is access and discoverability. Yeah, I totally agree. And how can we, we have such a huge supply of fresh young minds coming into the workforce that are just confused. 
they're confused by, do I go to college? You know, do I, you know, drive for Uber? Do I, what do I do with my life? And how can we present more opportunities to them? Because I just don't think that we're educating them in all of the ways that they can be successful in their future, in their life. We're still giving them traditional paths into the future of work, which is not the same. Round peg, square hole. All I know is, thank God, Ikea acquired TaskRabbit. Otherwise, (laughs) I'd be that retiree sitting on the floor without furniture. We'll be right back. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Man versus machine. Wow, you got you got medieval on this title, Julie, uh, from Recruitment Marketing, <laughs> entitled Man versus Machine, New York City Law Attempts to Eliminate Bias in Artificial Intelligence. Well, we talked recently about transparency and pay. Well, more New York City talk, everybody. New York City Law will soon require businesses to conduct audits designed to assess biases in all AI-driven systems that are used for recruitment, marketing, and hiring. Under the new law scheduled to take effect on January of 23, the hiring company will be liable for potential biases and subject to fines for violations. Nearly one in four organizations now make use of some form of automation, AI, or both to support their HR activities. Regulators have begun to take notice and seek to ensure that companies don't accidentally introduce the potential for further bias through AI technologies. Julie, you go on to talk about examples of bias. Tell us more about this article. Oh, I have so much I want to say here, and yet like so little is known. (laughs) I'll start with AI and research that's been done has proven that there is bias in AI right now there amazon there's a (laughs) but they're not alone so there is research that proves that ai can have bias and and there and some of that is because a lot of visual ai has not yet been mature enough to accept that there are different kinds of people that look different um so there's some that are associated with that that's the visual and the other is that a lot of ai has learned based on data that we already have bias data and that data is based on humans and the work that they have done which has included bias so we've taught ai to be biased so there is legitimate reason for us to raise eyebrows to ai and say hey you know we need to make sure it, we're accountable for what we're building here to not progress the future of recruitment into continuing on with bias. We want to use technology to eliminate that, not carry it on. So there's there's reason for that. But there's also one in four companies is using some form of AI in their recruitment process. So it's 
there's an adaption taking place. So it's real that AI is in recruitment marketing. Mm-hmm. And 67% of all HR leaders believe it's going to improve the experience. So people believe it in AI. People are using it. But there's also this fact that it can have these problems. So this is all a truth. Mm-hmm. So how do we make sure, right? The best way to make change is to mandate things. But this is also where this gets a little dangerous. There are people making these mandates that are not fully educated on how it's used throughout the industry. How are we going to instruct people to do these types of audits? So that's where we arrive today. We have good intentions for there to be a mandate in New York that um, all AI is audited. Okay, so how do you conduct that audit? Who conducts that audit? What does that audit include? What? There's no information. So although it's a wonderful act to mandate that we don't want to see uh, bias in AI and you must uh, review all and audit all your systems, you know, within a few weeks, that that's great. That's commendable. But with no instructions and no details and no information or path on how to do that, this is going to be a problem. And it has everyone scratching their heads. I gave a talk last week at TA Tech and I, and I spoke on this. And, you know, who I was addressing in that audience were the people who build this technology, the, the, the people who create these tech for this space. And what I had said to them is, you know, accountability is the end of the process. First, it begins with ownership. And we own that technology. We're the ones building it. We're the ones buying it. We're the ones using it. So we have to be responsible. Our actions the ones that we take need to be responsible. So we shouldn't be waiting for the government to tell us what we should be doing here. We should be being pro- proactive and saying, what AI do I have? What does it touch? What decisions does it make? How does it come to those decisions? And then I want to look at those outcomes to make sure I don't see that there's any bias happening. AI is going to be transformational for us, and that's fantastic. But that is not going to just happen at the flick of a switch. So I have lots to say on this. But uh, but truth, what do you do by January 1st? I don't know. There's really not a lot of information on how to conduct these audits. Well, there isn't a standard or real governing body that's going to enforce it anyway. So to think that this is an end solution that's going to go into place on January 1st is a fool's, it's fool's gold. Okay, so let's just go there first. What we're doing is, is we're actually jerking a knot in the industry's tail saying, hey, get ready for this. This is coming. Think about it from this standpoint, from a government standpoint. It went into effect on January 1st, 2023. If I come to your place uh, of work in 2024 and we by then have some sort of a standard in place, you you better have it ready and audited. Okay. So for everybody to say, well, we don't even know. I totally get that. But I agree. We need to be able to look at third parties to do the audits, not doing these bullshit internal audits ourselves, calling our shit ethical AI, which nobody fucking understands what that even means. So I agree 100%, but this is nothing more than a get ready signal for the rest of the industry to get their shit together to start working with and an opportunity for some companies who already do audits today to be able to take some of those older standards that they have around bias because those laws haven't changed right they haven't changed they're still enforced so if you use the older laws to be able to start to look at audits for now have a nice day kids quit bitching and moaning just get into work we have an EEOC. Uh, we have a commissioner named Keith Sonderling. Uh, if I'm an employer, 
how are these rules different from those rules? Do I need different counsel? Like that, that to me creates some confusion. Um, if I'm an employer and my fear is a little bit like with the transparency thing was maybe I just need to get the hell out of New York. And every job that was posted in New York is now gone. I'm using a staffing firm. Uh, I'm using a third party to recruit now. Do you guys see that issue coming where companies just get the hell out of New York or have some other vendor or third party handle it? Because I don't want to deal with this shit. I mean, AI is going to find its way in everything. That's going to be hard to do. And I and I think... You can't run. Somebody might say, hey, you know, not being in New York today might solve my problem, but it will not... The problem's not going to go away. It's going to spread. And it's going to be everywhere. And then it's going to yeah. become federal mandates. Um, so I, I love what Chad said. And like, hey, pay attention to the signal. It's a big flashing light warning you this is coming. Do you, do you see fewer vendors promoting AI if there's this sort of legislative danger associated That's with it? That's probably one of the things I'm most excited about now is that there is some <laughs> accountability in using the buzzword of AI, you know. Not just AI, AI and DEI, because when you put those right? both together, then it's like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Our platform is bulletproof. We're using AI and we're yeah. using DEI. Now you're looking to get smacked upside the head by the regular regulation ball bat i mean that that to me is the stupidest fucking thing you can do if you're if you're a vendor in this oh space. yeah there's so many out there who claim to use ai right and then those of us who really understand the technology are like no you're not <laughs> so so but you know people make these claims but now there's accountability to that claim because now when the employer is knocking on your door and saying hey i need to audit your technology because you claim to use ai yeah. and it's part of my process now uh, oh actually we don't use ai like you're gonna get caught you're gonna get caught in like using a term <laughs> as a buzzword when you don't actually have the data to back it up because you're gonna be audited and by the way not not just government auditing like how many lawyers in new york you think are going through websites that say di and ai and like researching them and who's used their service and blah 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 for class action lawsuits and legal action so the government's one layer of fear the other is if you're promoting and marketing these services be beware that the lawyers might be coming after you as well yep so accountability goes along with ai now um, it is not just a buzzword. It is not just something that we can throw in and say, hey, cool, didn't that just make our lives easier? No, accountability needs to come with AI. You can't just say the snake oil heals everything. You have to actually back this shit up. I'm curious. Uh, lastly, for me, on social media, you talk a lot about that in the article as well. Uh, Facebook obviously was in the news years ago around you can't advertise jobs or employment opportunities without having sort of certain tag or going through a, a particular process. TikTok and Snap don't really have the same, as far as I can tell, legislation and strictness around advertising. Talk about what you what you saw in the in the article around if you're going to advertise on TikTok, because those algorithms impact who your ad shows up in front of and what companies should be looking for if they're using social media to advertise, you know, jobs or, or build their employment brand. Yeah. So this is where I think they're there's going to need to be definition around different types of recruitment advertising. Because when you're actually promoting a specific job or a role, right, you have to create a posting for that. And there are requirements 
that speak to that specific job, right? It needs to include these mm-hmm. things. It cannot include these things, right? There's a very specific thing to a post. But that's mm-hmm. how we traditionally did recruitment advertising. We just made a job posting and then tried to get it out there. But that is not what we we do now. We have to do more than that. We have to do storytelling all around that job. That job may be an artifact that is critical to the process and compliance. But, you know, we have to do shiny, sparkly things to get people to pay attention to those jobs. And that is where social media comes in, right? We do good storytelling on TikTok uh, experiences. um, But these are not directly job advertisements. They are employer branding videos. So when does it go from a job post to uh, an employer brand video, there's a very different area there. Those two things can't all be lumped together with the same compliance. Pay transparency, like that that's something like how much are you supposed to dec- disclose when you create an employer brand video that's very general for hiring? Yeah, we're hiring, right? But if you're not speaking about the specific role, do you have to then keep right. all the same compliance? So I think there, there's going to be different. It's on the job. There's going to need to be yeah. a standardization of the different types of advertising we do in recruitment marketing and which ones are connected to that and which ones are not. Now, Facebook is a great story on this one because, you know, Facebook started coming in and saying, all right, you know, we recognize that a job advertisement is different than all other advertisement. So if you select that you are advertising for the purpose of jobs, They take away a lot of features, like you can't target by race or gender or age, right? Good, that you're not supposed to. So that was a really great thing. But then as they started to get deeper into the rabbit hole, they were started saying, great, you know, we'll take all jobs, we'll post all jobs up on Facebook. And then they said, never mind. And then earlier this year, they completely pulled out and they're not uh, doing uh, job feeds any any longer with Facebook. So um Right. I think they realized how deep the rabbit hole of danger can be as this uh, industry is changing by the minute. New laws are coming in. It is very difficult to be a provider in this space with so much change and so much danger that if you don't provide the right features and services, you are absolutely accountable for running ads that are non-compliant. It's risk versus reward is really what it is. The, the risk that we're looking to take versus the reward, which isn't really a lot of reward compared to the actual money that's being spent on other types of advertising. So yeah, just pull it. It's just not worth it for them in this case. I would love to see the numbers that were put in front of Zuckerberg to make that decision, right? Like, well, there's about, you know, $12 billion of opportunity in the recruitment advertising space. But there's also a $3 billion lawsuit potential, right? So we got to make a decision here, which one we want to lean in on further. And there was a decision made to not continue on the job feed side. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room to hear that decision being made. (laughs) Well, speaking of Zuckerberg and rabbit holes of danger, let's talk about LinkedIn, shall we? Oh, LinkedIn recently released its Global Talent Trends Report where they surface data insights from both LinkedIn's economic graph and their own member community to better understand how labor market trends impact candidates, employees, and workplaces. Some of the highlights include hiring is leveling off after historic highs, workers are bracing for an economic downturn, internal mobility increases employee retention, and here's the shocker, 
candidates consider compensation and benefits their top priority. Julie, what stood out to you most on the LinkedIn Talent Trends Report? Well, a lot of things there are really just validating things that we already know. So, you know, did I walk away from that? Like, I learned all these new things. Not really. Just validation to a lot of things that we already know. But the one that I really gravitated to and loved the data on was candidates increasingly want remote work. Seeing the data on this, there was a story there that I was able to absorb instantly looking at their their graph that they showed. Because in February, just this year, 20% of all the jobs on LinkedIn were remote. Okay, So mm-hmm. now, a few months later, it's September, 14% of their jobs are remote. So what that tells mm-hmm. me is that companies are pulling back on remote jobs. Okay, we, we know that this is happening as companies are trying to get back into the office they're pulling back on hiring as many remote workers. So we're, we're seeing that come back and retract a little bit. But what was really interesting is I'm sharing, in addition to that, at the same time, in February, 50% of all the applications on LinkedIn went to those remote jobs, right? <laughs> no word on how many were bait and switch, by the way. No word on Yes. No, that's not the point. <laughs> but then what happened, yeah. right? There's less jobs on LinkedIn for remote work. What happens? The amount of application share to remote jobs actually increased. So 52% <laughs> of all the applications on LinkedIn went to the remote jobs. What this is telling me is that people are not changing their desire for remote work, right? They are continuing mm-hmm. to no. apply the majority of share to remote jobs. Those remote jobs are starting to decline. So if your job is yes. not remote, you are competing against that significantly because the application volume is going there, not to the other jobs. So, I mean, think about that. 50% mm-hmm. of all the applications are only going yes. to 14% of their jobs. Those poor other 86% yes. of the jobs, <laughs> no one's paying attention and applying to them. And by the way, this is a global phenomenon. This is not just U.S. Yes. This is a global yeah. issue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take a hint. Take a hint, employers, for God's sakes. I mean, you know, if you do have these positions, and they can be. And again, we, we've seen so much research demonstrating that uh, remote jobs or individuals who actually went remote, especially during the pandemic, they, they, they actually were happier. They had better outcomes. The company had less problem around this, but yet we still want to try to force that round peg into a square hole. And by the way, throw in a four-day work week with nah, the work from home yeah. stuff. Then you're then you're golden, baby. Then you're golden. So one thing that I thought, <laughs> one thing I thought that was interesting. We've talked a lot last few years about uh, climate change, diversity, companies getting political. None of that showed up in this survey. Like people want to be paid more, they want good benefits, and they want flexibility. My cur- I'm curious if these issues of I don't know societal undertones are going to like just start to fade or they'll still be trumpeted by the media and people in, in our industry. Because what I saw in this report was we give a lot of oxygen to these social issues, but at the end of the day, they don't mean a whole hell of a lot to employees. Thoughts? So this is a global report, you know, looking at all things. So the things that surface are global. Now, that statistically includes multi-generation. I would say the lot of those social responsibility areas are not as heavily weighted in some of the older generations as they are the younger. So it matters more towards the talent 
that's emerging and the talent uh, that is the future of work than it does to those who are more senior and experienced and aging out of the workforce. A lot of the people who are of an older generation have had a lot of tenor at companies. So they build loyalty, even at a company that might not be socially responsible. There's a loyalty still like that is something that is you know, been known as a trait for people who are um, in older generations is that they are tremendously loyal. So that's been a, a real value. But that is not the case when you look at emerging generations who are very distrusting of leadership of companies, and they're looking for that social responsibility. So I, I think you're right. It didn't show up on this report. But I think if you went and took smaller segments of specific age groups, you'd see that change. That, mm. that report would look very different. Did they even go into it, though? I mean, because this this could have been slated specifically to everything other than social responsibility, right? So, I mean, that could have just been an aspect that was not a part of the conversation, which, I mean, that makes sense why it came out the way that it did. It was all focused really on the old-timey version of what a job was versus what it's turning to. Right. I think it's fair to say a baseline is if you're not paying well and giving good benefits, you're at a disadvantage uh, to everybody, no matter what your political stance on any of this stuff uh, stuff is. The other thing that stood out to me is the importance of upskilling. We've had a lot of companies, st- uh, startups, get a lot of money in terms of this area of upskilling. It is a really important thing, according to uh, this, this report. People are asking... You know, how can I do better, do a better job so I can get paid more, get promoted, land my next dream role? If you're not having the conversations of how do we take you from here up to here at your current job, you're going to lose those people over time for companies that do care about upskilling and giving people more mobile mobility uh, in work. And again, it's all about transparency, wage transparency, uh, career path transparency, upskilling transparency. You have to know what the next step is on your skilling to be able to go from sales into marketing, marketing and sales into development or, or what have you. And it's just not there. The, the the mapping, we have seen like the guilds of the world, some of those upskilling and also transparency kind of you know internal mobility platforms start to rise. I don't think they're rising enough. We need more transparency, obviously. I love the conversation of internal mobility, um, especially because there is this traditional, right? And this is what keeps you know recruitment marketing well-funded. But there's this um, traditional view of, <laughs> you know, we need talent, go out and hunt, right? Go find that talent and let's bring that talent into the organization. There has not historically been this view of, we have talent here. How can we help grow and nurture them into the talent we need for the future? We do more hunting than we do farming and gardening. And, and the truth is, is that you can take seeds and plant them and over time, nurture them and they will grow into the forest that you need for the future. That's exactly what Home Depot is doing. But we still have this, oh, we need a skill. This person doesn't have it. Let's go hire the person. How about... It takes 90 days sometimes to make a hire, and you could probably teach someone that skill in 90 days. And that not only will create greater you know, retention and satisfaction with the employee that you invested in to grow that skill, but you're also saving a ton on hiring costs and bringing in someone new. So it, it absolutely makes sense to do more to create internal mobility. It's just not 
been traditionally the way that we've operated. Did we mention Julie Callie's in a Chad and Cheese t-shirt, everybody? <laughs> Holy shit. That's like, oh, 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 oh. Julie, more goodness from RecruitmentMarketing.com. Let everyone know where they can find you or connect with you. Yeah, RecruitmentMarketing.com. It's a free resource for people who work in the industry. Come join and subscribe. Julie Kelly, everybody. Chad, that's another one in the books. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.